0: Wednesday, April third, two thousand nineteen. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mahai City, right here in Denver, Colorado. And we are back for another day of talking sports with a dose of common sense. Hey, happy Wednesday to you! Not sure exactly what you have on your plans today. Maybe you're going to get up. Maybe you're going to have some breakfast. Maybe you're going to get ready to go to work. Maybe you're going to work all day. You're gonna head home. Gonna I don't know. Sit around on the couch eat your dinner, hang out with family, hang out with friends, whatever you might be doing today, you might need to tweak those plans a little bit. Because please keep in mind that today, April 3rd, is National Walking Day. Yeah, the American Heart Association sponsors this day to remind people about the health benefits of simply taking a walk. Now, I know we talk sports here at The Daily Dose, but don't forget to stay active yourself. Wear shoes you can walk in or take those shoes with you to work. And at some point today, you are encouraged to take a 30-minute walk. Get out. Enjoy some fresh air if you can. But try to get in a 30-minute walk today. Hey, it's really good for your heart. I actually think it's really, really good for your head. Enjoy National Walking Day today on April 3rd. I mean, unless you're Houston Rockets guard James Harden when every day is National Walking Day. Hey, if you'd like to contact the show, maybe tell us your favorite player that literally gets away with doing something illegal every single night. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, DailyDoseSports at gmail.com, or you can go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at Dose Sports. doesn't have to be about National Walking Day. Maybe you have a question for us. Maybe you have a suggestion for us. Maybe you have a specific list that you really wish we would cover. Hey, we're never going to do it if you don't reach out and let us know what it might be. If you've got a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. Also, be sure you stop by tpublic.com and pick up some new Daily Dose gear. Yes, we do have our Daily Dose iTeam shirts over there. A couple of different styles you can go with. And we do still have our original Daily Dose gear over there as well. So whether you want a t-shirt, Maybe you want a sweatshirt? Maybe you want a hoodie? Maybe you need a new coffee mug at work? Why wouldn't you just go over to teapublic.com and pick up a Daily Dose coffee mug? And hey, then you're doing a little free advertising for us when you're at your job. So make sure you stop by teapublic.com. Hey, today on the show, we do have a couple of breaking news stories coming out. But then we want to get to our Daily Dose hump day power rankings. Hump day. You know, I've been taking a look Just at the state of basketball today, and I'm telling you right now, our Daily Dose Hump Day Power Rankings are very, very revealing about a couple of things going on in basketball right now. But first, we do have a few news stories to get to, but before we do, you know what, I actually need to make the listeners out there aware of some other type of news. And let's just say it, let's just call it what it is, I need to make you aware of a Daily Dose scandal that we seem to have on our hands. As most of you probably know, we did our Daily Dose March Madness Bracket Challenge again this year. And on Monday, I read over the top five entries in our challenge. Of course, the winner is going to be getting a Daily Dose t-shirt. Well, on Monday, I said that last year's champion, Erica St. James, who did actually join us on the show last year after winning the challenge, I said that she might have gotten her picks from Daily Dose contributor Big Rob. And later, on Monday, I heard from Big Rob specifically, and he confirmed that, yes, he had, in fact, made Erica's picks again. Wait, it's going to get better. Because yesterday, I received an email From one Miss Erica St. James saying that Big Rob deserves no credit whatsoever. That in fact it was she who made all of her very own picks. Okay, what is really going on here? Yes, we have our very first Daily Dose Scandal, kids. And I'm telling you right now, I don't usually do this. But the Daily Dose I team just might have to get involved. You know, usually they are out tracking down big stories. They are finding secret audio, running phone taps, doing a number of stealth missions that they run for us. But this, this whole situation, this whole scandal of March Madness bracket filling out between Erica and Rob, yet yeah, something's going on here. This might have to get bumped up on the priority list because someone is, is being less than truthful about their brackets, and we just may need to get to the bottom of this. Okay, we've got that out in the open now. Now, let's get on to some much, much less important news. And let's start off in college basketball, where Duke Blue Devils freshman Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett headlined the 2019 Associated Press All-American Squads The squads were announced yesterday. Here is that first team. Zion Williamson from Duke, who of course is a freshman. Grant Williams, the junior from Tennessee. R.J. Barrett, another freshman from Duke. Ja Morant at Murray State, who is a sophomore. And Michigan State junior point guard Cassius Winston rounded out the first team of All-Americans. Now the Duke duo are the 11th pair of teammates to be named to the AP first team. And they are the first freshman teammates to be named to the first-team All-American squad since Kentucky's DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall were named in 2010. So from what I can tell, if you are a big-time freshman at one of the one-and-done schools and you can't make free throws, then you get named to be first-team All-American. Good to know. Didn't know that. Now we know. Some other news coming out yesterday. The Alliance of American Football will be suspending all football operations immediately. The league held a call yesterday afternoon to inform all players and staff involved that they are done. Of course, the eight-team aaf billed as a developmental league, kicked off the weekend right after the Super Bowl. But they are hurting financially. League co-founder Bill Polian had this to say on Tuesday. I am extremely disappointed to learn, Tom Dundon has decided to suspend all football operations of the Alliance of American Football. When Mr. Dundon took over, it was the belief of my co-founder, Charlie Eversall, and myself that we would finish the season, pay our creditors, and make the necessary adjustments to move forward in a manner that would make economic sense for all. The momentum generated by our players, coaches, and football staff had us well positioned for future success, regrettably We will not have that opportunity. Now, the AAF is just eight games into their 10-game regular season, and they're already stone broke? That was fast. That was really fast. You had to have had this down on paper, didn't you? Like, someone ran the figures and said, hey, let's see, based on what we're earning here, based on what we may or may not get here, yet we're going to be broke before we even finish the year. They did run those numbers, right? Somebody crushed those numbers. I mean, that was really, really quick. But hey, you gave it a shot. Hillary Clinton's campaign thinks this was poorly planned. But you know my biggest takeaway from this? I would have to think that the XFL, which, don't forget, is supposed to get going next February in 2020. They have got to be looking at this and going, oh boy, this is not going to be easy. Because no one seems to watch football unless it is the NFL now, they're saying the XFL has more money than the AAF did. But I mean, I think MC Hammer had more money than the AAF did. But you would have to be a little bit nervous if you were going to be getting ready to start another professional football league. None of them work. They never work. Show me a league besides the AFL back in, what, the 60s that has ever done anything. The USFL did it for a while, but they had some serious money backing them. I don't know. The XFL has got to be getting a little bit nervous watching these events. Finally, Los Angeles Lakers star LeBron James is going to be using this offseason to film Space Jam 2. <gasps> I know, makes me a little queasy. But he says it won't disrupt his usual offseason preparations. They are saying that the Space Jam 2 set is going to have a full-length basketball court so that LeBron can use it for all of his summer training. The four-time MVP announced during NBA All-Star Weekend back in February that he intended to work on the motion picture this summer. His production company, Spring Hill Entertainment, announced the film is slated for a July 16th, 2021 release. Of course, LeBron does have some spare time this summer because after eight straight NBA Finals appearances and 13 consecutive playoff trips, the Lakers are missing out on the postseason And LeBron doesn't have a whole lot else to do. Now, I'm still not sure if I'm okay with LeBron doing this movie. I'm really not. I mean, we all remember the first Space Jam, right? Some aliens want to enslave the Looney Tunes characters. And they're going to force them to work in their home planet's amusement park for the rest of their lives. Bugs Bunny, though, he bargains for a basketball game with, of course, the Looney Tunes' freedom on the line. The aliens go... And they steal some NBA star's playing ability and call themselves the Monstars. Meanwhile, the Looney Tunes go and recruit Michael Jordan. And of course, Bill Murray tags along. The big game takes place. Wacky hijinks ensue. But what are we going to see in Space Jam 2? I mean, there are a number of different ways that Space Jam 2 could go, right? Here's what I'm thinking. And I've got a few different ideas on this. We might have to dig a little bit deeper into this. But I'm thinking Space Jam 2, maybe it has the exact same plot. Maybe it's not so much a sequel as it is just a redo. But in this game, LeBron loses the big game. And then the media tells us how much better he was than Michael Jordan. Because, I mean, come on. He had to play with Looney Tunes characters. And most likely Kevin Hart was on the team too. Right? Could totally see that happening. Eh, What else could they do? I suppose we could see the Monstars win the big game. And then they take the Looney Tunes back as slaves... But then, LeBron James will do a press conference at the Boys Club with Jim Gray where he announces he, in fact, is also going to be taking his talents to Moron Mountain and joining the Monstars. I could totally see that. Or, maybe, and again, I'm just kind of spitballing here. Here's another possibility. Maybe we will see the Looney Tunes actually get the win with LeBron. It's possible. Granted, Daffy Duck is going to hit the game-winner. A Kyrie Irving. But as long as LeBron gets the win, who's going to remember any of that? I mean, we all kind of brush aside that Ray Allen had to win the big one for him and that you know Kyrie had to win the big one for him. Daffy, you're up next. Go ahead and win a big game for LeBron as well. That's strange. All of a sudden, I don't quite feel like myself. As long as LeBron gets the win, who's going to remember any of the details? Don't get caught up in the petty stuff, people. That is what I'm telling you. Hey, coming back, they say that defense wins championships, right? Well, we are now down to the final four in college basketball and the NBA regular season, it's almost over. So are the best defensive teams really winning? Our Daily Dose Power Rankings are going to take a closer look when we get back. And I'm telling you right now, you might be a little surprised at the outcome. Hey, just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping you need to do, whether it's for yourself, maybe you have birthdays coming up, maybe you have holidays coming up. Just remember, you might want to head over to lootcrate.com forward slash daily dose where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles that feature your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, and your favorite video games. April's loot crate theme is now out. It is called showdown when the time for talking is over and there are scores to be settled. These pop culture heavy hitters are always ready for a showdown. Hey, join us as we celebrate iconic battles with epic gear. April's Loot Crate theme features items from Captain Marvel, Aquaman, and Godzilla, King of the Monsters. But remember, if none of those franchises interest you, you can always go over to Loot Crate. You can choose from a selection of crates. You can get a monthly subscription of crates that'll arrive in your mailbox every month. Or you can just go over there and order individual items. And remember, they have a ton of things in any franchise that you can think of. The best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, make sure you type Daily Dose in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order just as a little thank you for listening to The Daily Dose. Okay, so on Wednesdays, we do like to get some real numbers involved, not so much an opinion of mine. But we just put together a list and see what the stats or the numbers actually tell us today on our daily dose hump day power rankings we are taking a look at who the best teams are defensively in the nba and in college basketball and i'm telling you right now it is extremely interesting to look at both which teams are getting it done defensively we know how much the three-point line has changed the game We've talked about that a little bit this week. We know that it, in some ways, has made it way, way better offensively. Sometimes it can also be really hard to defend. But here is the question for you. Who are the best teams defensively in both the NBA and college basketball? Let's start off in the NBA. Now, we know the NBA is hardly a defensive league these days. You know, back in the 90s, we saw teams averaging, giving up right around 90 points a game. Yeah, that's not the case anymore. With the elimination of things like hand checks, where you could literally control a dribbler. With the elimination of all the grabbing and all the holding away from the ball. With the elimination of so much of the physicality in the post, it is now a wide open league. And the NBA currently is tilted completely in favor of the offenses. Little bit like the NFL has done that as well, haven't they? Yeah, I wonder if that's just a coincidence. Both professional sports leagues have really made it easy for the offense. So here's the question that I have. Does defense even matter anymore in the NBA? I don't know. After you see our Daily Dose Humpty Power Rankings, you may start to wonder. Let's take a look at the teams that are holding their opponents to the least amount of points per game. Are any of these teams contenders? Yeah, I'm not so sure. Coming in at number five and giving up points per game. And I'll be honest, this one was very surprising to me because it is my hometown Denver Nuggets who are currently in a battle for the top seed in the Western Conference with the Golden State Warriors. What is bizarre to me about this is the fact that I watch the Denver Nuggets a lot being here in Denver and they drive me absolutely crazy defensively because they do so many things just fundamentally wrong. But I will give them this. Guys like Gary Harris, Malik Beasley, Tory Craig, and Monte Morris, they hide some of the sins of some of the bigger names on the team. Because I'm telling you right now, if you watch Nikola Jokic, if you watch guys like Will Barton or Jamal Murray, or even worse, when they bring in Isaiah Thomas, watching that group on defense, oh, it is flat out painful. They do so many things fundamentally wrong. They have no anticipation. They lose track of the ball. They don't even help and rotate in the correct angles. It is absolutely brutal. But those other guys, I think they make Denver a little bit better defensively than maybe they truly are. The Nuggets come in at number five. Like I said, they give up 106.9 points per game. That ranks them fifth. Now, we have a tie at number four. And the first team in this tie is actually turning out to be better than anyone thought. And the only reason they possibly could be has to be their defense. Because I don't know what else the Orlando Magic are doing. They don't have any players and yet somehow they're contending for a playoff spot. Granted, they're battling for the 8th seat over in the Eastern Conference. But the Orlando Magic give up just 106.2 points per game. And that's pretty important because they don't have much scoring punch. Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon are like, literally, their only scoring threats. So they have to play defense. Head coach Steve Clifford, he has the Orlando Magic working pretty hard at the defensive end, and that ranks them at fourth. Also coming in at fourth, at 106.2 points per game, is a team that's a little bit less of a surprise because they have one of the best defensive players in the entire league, in big man Rudy Gobert. The Utah Jazz are also tied at fourth in the NBA in defense this year. And they do a really good job. They force jump shots, and then you have a guy like Rudy Gobert, and you have a Derek Favors, go get rebounds. Sometimes we lose track of the fact that rebounding is such a huge part of playing defense. You can have the best defensive possession of the game But if you give up an offensive rebound, it doesn't matter. It makes no difference. They could have chucked it from half court. If they get it back, you're still playing defense. Doesn't help you. Ricky Rubio for Utah. He does at least a solid job defending opposing point guards. And I'm telling you, I really think Utah could be a pain in the playoffs for whoever draws them. Currently, that would be the Portland Trailblazers. And remember, Portland no longer has big man Yusuf Nurkic. Good luck because Utah plays defense. They shoot it pretty well. The Utah Jazz are pretty solid this year. They come in as the fourth best defensive team. Coming in at number three is another surprise from the back of the Eastern Conference. But Eric Spolstra, he's a pretty good coach. And he does usually demand that his Miami Heat teams play some defense. And the Heat are playing at least a little defense as they continue with the Dwayne Wade retirement tour. The Heat are battling with the aforementioned Orlando Magic, for that final playoff spot in the East. And again, Miami doesn't have that many offensive weapons. So, I mean, they're just trying to get things done defensively. When your leading scorer is a guy by the name of Josh Richardson, yeah, you better get some stops because you don't have a whole lot of scoring punch. Miami is the third best defensive team in the NBA by points allowed. They come in at 105.7. At number two is a team that, honestly, I don't know how else to say it. They're a complete mess. But they do play really good defense. They allow just 105.3 points per game. And I will say this, on any given night, they are absolutely a pain to play. When you see this team on your schedule, you go, Ugh, can we just skip that night? I might be hurt. My groin might be strained that night. Because you'll probably beat the Memphis Grizzlies. But they might leave you with, I don't know, a black eye, maybe a split lip. The Memphis Grizzlies are a group of guys that mostly were not wanted by any other teams. And then they threw in, you know, Mike Conley and Chandler Parsons when he's healthy, which of course is rare. But think about this. Somehow this season, the Memphis Grizzlies, who are one of the worst teams record-wise in the league, have managed to beat Oklahoma City, Houston, Portland, Utah, Denver, Philadelphia, San Antonio, Memphis can beat anyone on a given night. The problem is they just can't win games consistently, but they can and they do play defense. Memphis allows just 105.3 points per game. If you're going to score against them, you're going to have to earn it. You'll probably beat them if you do. If you don't, you're going to be in a physical dogfight and it is not going to be fun for you. So, Who comes in as the number one defensive team in the NBA this year? Well, our team gives up just 104.1 points per game, and that is the Indiana Pacers, who are currently sitting at the number five seed in the Eastern Conference. Now remember, Indiana lost guard Victor Oladipo to injury for the season, but they're still battling. And a lot of the reason they are still able to battle is because they play defense. They get after it at the defensive end. Again, they don't have many scoring options. So they have to play good defense. When you look at the NBA, we can see a lot of the defensive teams. It's not really because they're great at defense. It's because sometimes they have no offense. They don't have a choice. Now, are any of these five teams contenders? I don't know. I guess Denver and Utah, at least in the conversation. But other than that, probably not. I guess you could throw Indiana in there. But I'd feel better if they had Oladipo back. But I noticed that the Eastern Conference has a few teams on this list, and I have to think it probably helps that they get to see Eastern Conference offenses, right? So when you look at the NBA, I don't know that you can really say, hey, you've got to be a great defensive team if you're going to win a title. Doesn't seem that way at all, in fact. It kind of seems like if you're a really good defensive team, I don't know, you might be struggling. You might not have many offensive weapons. You sure don't seem like a contender. But let's move over to the college game. We are now down to the final four in college hoops. So now we know who the actual big dogs are. We know who has proven to come out on top. Not the teams they tell us are great. Who has actually proven to be a true contender. But who were the best defensive teams all season in college basketball? Let's start at number five. Because coming in at number 5 is a team that might make you go, who? Because they're not a blue blood name. But the Old Dominion Monarchs went 26-9 and this season. They allowed just 60.8 points per game. Now, you might not realize this. But Old Dominion actually qualified for the NCAA tournament. They won Conference USA. They were a 14 seed in the South Regional where, of course, they were knocked out in the first round by Purdue. Hey, we know Purdue's pretty good, though. The Monarchs were pretty good at the defensive end this year. They were ranked number five for the season, and as a result, hey, they went to the dance. They were at least in the tournament. That's not bad for a team that we all would kind of say, who, when we say that name. Next up at number four is another team that went to the tournament, but they're probably pretty disappointed at how their tournament went. But the Kansas State Wildcats... They gave up just 59.6 points per game. They actually were a number four seed in the tournament after they finished tied atop the Big 12 regular season standings. And they put an end to the Kansas Jayhawks' incredible streak of winning the Big 12 every single year. But in the dance, Kansas State struggled. They ran into a UC Irvine team and Kansas State just absolutely forgot how to shoot the basketball. They couldn't score down the stretch. They couldn't make an open basket. And Kansas State ended up being upset in the first round. But still, Kansas State went to the tournament. They were a number four seed. They tie for the regular season conference title in the Big 12. That's a pretty solid season for Kansas State. They come in at number four. Coming in at number three is the team that was tied with Kansas State for the regular season. But I think we can safely say... Yeah, their postseason has gone just a little bit better because the Texas Tech Red Raiders are headed to Minneapolis and they are in the Final Four for the first time in Texas Tech's history. But Chris Beer's Red Raiders, they allowed just 58.7 points per game all year. Hey, when I watch that team, I am so impressed with what Texas Tech does. They stay in front of you. They force shots and they contest those shots. They get a hand up on those shots. They don't allow easy blow by layup baskets that just isn't tolerated at Texas Tech. Texas Tech is probably the biggest surprise of the final four in a lot of ways. But even though you might be shocked they're there, yeah, they're not going to be an easy out for whoever faces them because Texas Tech is just tough and it starts at the defensive end. They were the third toughest defensive team in the nation. They allowed just 58.7 points per game and Texas Tech is still playing this weekend. Coming in at number two is one of the teams that Texas Tech actually knocked off in the tournament and that is the Michigan Wolverines because they allowed just 58.3 points per game all year. Now, I give Michigan head coach John Beeline a ton of credit because of his ability to use the skills that his team has. So many times we see coaches say, hey, you're going to come play for me. Okay, here's the system I run. You adapt to it. John Beeline is not that way. He might be an older guy. He might be an old school guy, but he adapts what his teams do to the skills that his teams possess. And that is such an underrated character of a coach. You think of the teams that John Beeline had at Richmond. Sometimes they were pressing. Sometimes they were trapping. Sometimes they were really great defensively. He went with what he had. At West Virginia, they were a high-scoring, three-point shooting team. Last year at Michigan, those Michigan Wolverines scored. But this year, Michigan didn't have scores. So John Beeline got them to commit at the defensive end. And even though they came up short in the Sweet 16, and we could all make fun of how bad their offense was and how poorly they shot, hey, the Michigan Wolverines We're not expected to do anything this year. Remember, they went to the championship last year, and then they lost everyone. We didn't expect anything from Michigan this year. They made it to the Sweet 16. That's still pretty good. And the only reason they were able to compete at that high of a level was because they were so good defensively. The Michigan Wolverines come in at number two. So who was the top collegiate team in the country defensively this year? And here's the ultimate question. Does defense really win championships? Well, we're going to see. Because the Virginia Cavaliers are still in the thick of this tournament as well. Tony Bennett always coaches. Tough, physical, man-to-man defense. But this Virginia team, I don't know, they're a little bit different. You know, we used to always say, they have a little sand on them. They are a little bit gritty. They find ways to win. Sometimes it isn't even that pretty but they are finding ways to win. This year, the Virginia Cavaliers held their opponents to 54.8 points all season. And remember this when you look at Virginia. They did play in the ACC. We know there are some very high-scoring teams in that ACC. Somehow, Virginia still was the best defensive team in the country. Hey, that's pretty impressive. But you know what? Out of our top five defensive teams in college basketball, Take a look at that. All five teams made it to the NCAA tournament. Three of the top five made it to the Sweet 16, and two of the top five are in the Final Four. Defense does still win a few games at the college level. Can it win a championship? We're going to find out very, very soon, but isn't it interesting how different the top defensive teams are in college as opposed to the NBA? In college, playing good defense it just might keep you in the title line. At the NBA level, it kind of looks like some of the worst teams are forced to play defense because they don't have anything else. It is very, very interesting. To see how defense plays a part in basketball in this era. Hey, tomorrow on the Daily Dose, we will of course be bringing you the latest and greatest in the world of sports news. But we might have a little look at some other March Madness history for you. And trust me, as we do on many Thursdays, we are also going to have our sports media overreactions of the week. You know we have plenty of those this week. I have to say thank you all so much for listening to and for sharing the show. Thank you for the emails. Thank you for the texts. Thank you for the tweets. Don't forget to stop by Public and pick up some of that Daily Dose gear you know you need in your life. I have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great Wednesday.